0: So I want to start off this morning by telling you a story about a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher. <clears throat> These three guys decided to go hunting together one day. As they were walking along, they came across a big buck. <clears throat> being kind of startled by this big buck that was standing there in front of them, the three of them pulled up their guns and shot simultaneously at the duck. Simultaneously at the duck, the buck. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> simultaneously at the buck. And immediately, the buck dropped to the ground, and all three rushed to see how big it was. And as they reached the buck, they found out that the buck was dead, but it only had one hole in it. And so thus the debate began. Who was it that shot the buck? A few minutes later, a game warden officer came by and asked what the problem was, and the doctor told them, The reason for their debate, the reason why they were arguing, the officer told them, well, hey, listen, I'll take a look at the buck, and I'll determine who it was that shot it. Within a few seconds, the game officer came back and said with much confidence, it was the pastor that shot the buck. And they all wondered, how is it that he can know so quickly that the pastor shot the buck? And the officer said, it was very easy. The bullet went in one ear and out the other. Didn't... All right. I know it's cheesy. It's the best I got. I get that. I just, I just, I just Google pastor jokes. That way they stay clean. <laughs> All right as you can tell i'm probably not going to be able to do much screaming this morning <clears throat> if i do it'll sound like whispering probably <clears throat> really loud forceful whispering oh um, so i want to talk we're we're kind of in the middle of this series or coming to the end of the series on breakthrough and, and we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, breakthrough and um, going back to the very first week of January, talking about you know we have to position ourselves by thinking appropriately, by thinking the way that God wants us to think. So, you know, thinking about our circumstances and situations that God wants us to think, and that if there's any time in our life where we where we think about something differently than the way that God thinks about it, then um, we kind of don't really position ourselves well for the breakthrough in our lives that God wants us to have. All right. And then we talked about uh, the, the importance of, of persistence in prayer and how, you know, you can't just pray one little prayer and hoping, but you got to push through. You gotta, it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Last week, we took a look at the story of, the, um, uh, of when Jesus was in the house. And uh, the the friends that took uh, took their the, the guy the three guys or four guys that took their friend, who was a paralytic, and they put him on a uh, a mat and they, they climbed up on a roof and dropped him down to Jesus. And we talked about the um, the formula for faith here: how you got to make room for Jesus, um, you gotta uh, you gotta eliminate your uh, paralysis. So, the the things in your life that you think you can't do, you won't ever be able to do. All right. And and just like this guy, uh, you got to be, you know, you got to refuse to say no. You know, in other words, you got to be persistent, that that you refuse to be denied. um, And and you got to, you know, walk in that faith. And so today, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, worship and God's presence and how it relates to breakthrough in our lives. And, um, and, and and I just want to, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I'll, I'll tell you is, um, in my own life, in in every situation in every moment of my life where I have, I have been faced with a significant issue or or something in my life has been, um, you know, I've never had to show up for one reason or another. Um, I, I I've always found that the greatest breakthrough that I have in my life happens when I get in God's presence, right? When I find a way to get aside and to get into God's presence. And I would say that that if you don't know how to do that, that's something that you really need to learn to cultivate in your life. How how do I, look, because the Bible says that we've all been given access to the throne room. Every single one of us here as believers, as, as, as God has taken a hold of our life and taken a hold of our heart, all right, he's given every single one of us access to the throne room. So we all have the same access to God's throne room. And, and I have, you know, the access that I have is no different than the access that you have. Um, but it's maybe our ability to, um, to understand how to gain that access can be sometimes difficult. <coughs> And so, you've got to be able to cultivate that in your life. And the best way to do that is through, um, you know, prayer and worship. I think one of the things that I do it, when I get into prayer as I start with we'll worship, right? Um, right, because scripture says we, um, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart and we enter his courts with praise, right? Okay? So we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. So thanksgiving and praise is worship. One of the ways that we get into the presence of God is through worship. So a lot of times in my life, all right, When even when I go in to pray and I begin to pray, is I will begin with worship. And that will either be acapella worship where it's just me and God and I'm, I just, you know, come up with a song. Sometimes you go back to those really good songs back in the 90s, you know what I'm saying? Or back in the 80s, those songs that you could just, everybody kind of sing them acapella anyways, you know? Like, hallelujah, or you just sing a hallelujah over and over again, you know? All right, so I'll do that. Or I'll, uh, I'll get a, you know, my computer or my phone. Or you know, M, you know, uh, gosh, they got all the the little Kindles and the things. Uh, not Kindles. Uh, what are the uh, it's a little Amazon dots, whatever? Alexa, okay. Alexa's the lady, but they are called Alexas, I guess, or something. All right, I, you could play some music from it. All right, but I'll play some music. All right, some stuff that I'm familiar with, and for a couple songs, I will just I will just sing. I do nothing but just worship God. All right. And I think that that if we want to live strategically with breakthrough in our life, we've got to be great worshipers. Right? And, and because worship puts us in a place where we are more responsive to God. And it's the same thing even on Sunday mornings when, when you come here. The the worship, listen, the worship is um, the worship is important. Listen, I will say this on Sunday mornings the worship on Sunday mornings is the most important thing we do on Sunday mornings. And, and, you know, it's a a 25-minute segment, a 20-25-minute segment that we have here on Sunday mornings. It is the most important thing that we do on Sunday mornings. Um, And because, even outside of me preaching, all right, because worship, you know, puts your attention upon Him. Okay? Worship, uh, should all be about him, that you're, you've, you're giving him focused attention, that you're expressing love to him. And what it does is that when you begin to worship correctly, when you begin to drown out the noise around you, you drown out the problems that you've had all week long, when you drown out um, you know, all of the problems and the issues that you are dealing with, and you begin to, to worship God, it, it fixes your perspective, and it also softens your heart. So, you know, a lot of times God's word, the, even the message that I bring, can have a greater impact upon you because of what worship does in your life. It's the reason why we don't preach first and sing second. I don't wait to preach at the end because I know people are going to show up late to church Right, it's because worship is important to set our minds and our hearts on Christ, so that when the message comes, our hearts and our minds are, are fixed where they're supposed to be. So we we we're in a greater place to receive from God, right? And and that's the reason why we do that. <clears throat> but there are um, there are. Um, there, there are two aspects, and we're talking about, there are two aspects to the kingdom, striving and waiting, right? Um, and, the, and this is the where, it, it's, there are, it's not, okay, so I'll say, let me, let me see here, it's what you would say is maybe contradictions in the Bible, but they're not contradictions in that they prove that the Bible doesn't know what it's talking about or that there's error in the Bible, Um. What, like for example, um, what passages says? Um, you know, there's scripture says, "Be still and know that I am God." Or those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and rise like uh, on w- wings of an eagle, right? Um, those who wait upon the Lord, be still and know that I am God. And then we also know that scripture says, "The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force." So there's there is this. There's two different aspects to the kingdom. One is, is striving, and then one is, is waiting. And there's times in the Bible where you saw where God did, brought about great breakthrough and miracles in people's lives because they waited. And there were times that God brought great breakthrough and miracles in people's lives because people would strive, all right? And, and, and understanding what you're supposed to be doing only comes through relationship. All right. and the reason why this is, is because God doesn't want us to have a formula. Alright. so now we become religious because of a formula. He wants us to have a relationship, so that we can understand the moment that we're in and what we're supposed to be doing in that moment. Right, um, so <clears throat> uh, you know, and 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 so there's those two different aspects of the kingdom. And there are times where we are are to do something, and there are times where we're supposed to sit back and wait. God doesn't ever need our help, but he loves having us help him. He loves having us participate in the process. All right? And um, and, And so when we're talking about this, God's presence, you know that there are different measures to God's presence. There are different measures, and we've hit on this. I think we even hit on this a couple weeks ago. I talked a little bit about this. In, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, it says this. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So technically speaking, all right? The unbeliever is held together by the presence of the Lord. All things are held together because of his presence, his presence in, in him, and, and, and this speaks to the omnipresence of God's presence. All right. In other words, that he is before all things. Everything that is in existence in the universe, in all of God's creation, the galaxies, and on planet Earth, on every other planet that exists out there, He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. All right? All things, all things are held together. His presence is everywhere. And then when a person is born again, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence um, in a different way and marks us as a temple. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Right, so uh, Colossians already said that He's in us, because in in Him all things all things are held together by Him. So we are held together by Him, and then all of a sudden, now the Holy Spirit comes and begins to dwell in us, and we become the temple of God. And another one, Matthew Matthew chapter eighteen verse twenty says, "For where two or three have gathered together in My name, I am there in their midst." What, I mean, uh, we already know that you're in our midst because you're omnipresent, but you are before all things. But then Jesus makes a distinction that something happens, that there's something that changes, that there's something that's different about God's presence where two or three gather together, and they gather together in the name of Jesus, all right? That means, listen, there are more than two or three people gathered here today and that means his presence here today is in a greater atmosphere, a greater revelation of his presence is here right now than would normally be here if there was just nobody here. His presence would still be here, but there's a greater awareness, a greater influence of his presence. All right? <clears throat> Even further it goes on in Psalms chapter 22, verse 3, it says, Yet you are holy who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Okay? <clears throat> so, here it is again. Okay? That God is, uh, this is, um, this is probably easier to understand when it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Okay? <clears throat> God inhabits the praises of his people. All right, So that when we begin to worship, so When we come in together as a church and we gather together in the name of Jesus, God's presence is here. And then when we begin to praise him together, we begin to worship him together, the Bible says that he comes and fills the place even more, that his presence becomes even greater, right? And as we begin to worship him in spirit and in truth and we begin to honor him, then then his presence becomes even greater and greater and greater, right? And then, you know, the last element is we see the Shekinah glory of God, which is the visible manifest presence of God, something that is tangible that you can see when God's presence fills the room. Um, And and you've heard, I've heard testimony over years. I've read stories about great revivals and and moves of God over the years where where the the manifest presence, the, the Shekinah glory of God would visit a place who, It would create like a a smoke or a haze uh, where it was just, you could tell the atmosphere had changed in the room. It was significant, right? Um, And then you can step a little little bit further where, um, you know, God revealed himself to Moses, you know, and it was more of a a physical presence, something that was. um, And so um, I, I remember a story many years ago. About a, a worship leader that was in church, and this lady was leading worship, and uh, while she was leading worship in church, um, she said her eyes got open to the spirit realm, which we call discerning the spirits, this is the gift of discerning the spirits recorded in First Corinthians uh, chapter um, uh, chapter uh, chapter twelve, and and she said she her. Uh, while she was leading worship, she all of a sudden she saw two, two angels standing at the back door of the sanctuary. Uh, the, the two angels went on each side of the doors, in the back of the sanctuary, standing guard. and And they were just standing there. And as they they began to worship, and they continued to push on and worship, they, that you know you could tell the atmosphere was changing. People were getting into worship a lot more. They were they were you know kind of pushing in she said, in, in a moment, she just she recognized they were about there, she knew they were about there, she was watching them, you know uh, because it was just kind of like a weird phenomenon that happened, and she said, in a moment in a split moment, both of them hit their knees uh, in the middle of the service, and she knew at that moment who walked into the room, all right who walked into the room it was a It was a sign that that there was a an extra, uh, an added element of God's presence, his physical manifest presence that walked into the room that began to change things, all right? And, and if we want to we walk and break through in our life, we, we've got to invite God's presence. God's presence needs to be a part of our life. It needs to be a part of everything that we do. It needs to be a part of what goes on here on Sunday morning, that it becomes the most valuable thing that we do, All right? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we, we, and that, this is important. Um, there's You see, God is a God of order and protocol, and he has given us an invitation to his ever-increasing presence. God's presence increases, and God 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 invites us into that ever-increasing presence, and he gives us an understanding of this ever-increasing presence when we read his word and we recognize what the Bible has to say. that surely God is everywhere all the time, but we shouldn't be satisfied with his omnipresence. We should only be satisfied with his manifest presence, that that God would reveal himself and his manifest presence would be revealed in our life and the things that we do. Um, there's passages, especially in the psalm, that says, It uses this expression, it says, I magnify your name. I magnify your name. What does the word magnify mean? It means to to make something bigger, right? It means to make something bigger. And how do we do this, right? Because God is already as big as he's going to get. God is already as big as he's going to get. He's not going to get any bigger than what he is He's already as big as he's gonna get, all right. But what it does is it helps us understand, okay, um, how big God God really is. It's like taking a magnify, you know, a, a magnifying glass. And you ever, you know, <clears throat> back in the day when you didn't have Xboxes and Playstations and and cell phones, like you went outside and you played outside. Anybody remember those days? That's the only thing you ever did because you couldn't even, there wasn't even really anything to watch on TV, right? You just went outside. So I remember days when I was growing up, you know, I'd go outside and we'd we'd catch lizards, we'd catch snakes. We'd go outside and and we'd catch lizards and then find a way to catch flies. We found that you could take, uh, you know, a, a slice of bread and wet it and stick it out on the sidewalk and flies would get all over it. And then you take, like, a little fish net, and you put it over the, and you catch the flies, and then if you hold the lizard and take the fly and tap it up against his mouth, he'll open his mouth, and you just put the fly in his mouth, and he eats it. We just had fun, like, you know, gorging these lizards on flies. Because <clears throat> um, we, I don't know, we did, you know, you just, I don't know, when you're young, and you're just looking for stuff to do, right? Just so you get out there in the dirt, and you play, and you have fun, it's when you, know, you go, and we, we, when, when I grew up we lived next to across the street from some water so one of my friends lived on the water we'd go walk the banks of the water and, and fish and a lot of times we'd go out there with little sane nuts and catch little minnows and then take the little minnows and let them swim down our throats <clears> throat> look man I was, I was like 10 years old okay don't judge me <clears throat> alright you just, you just did stupid stuff like that right and, and if you're doing stuff like that, I mean, you know, every now and then you would come across, you'd get like, you know, a little toy magnifying glass. You know where I'm going with this, all right? You know where I'm going with this, all right? <clears throat> you catch yourself a little bug on a nice sunny day. Take that magnifying glass, hit that thing in the sun. And I think, all right, so I'm not going to go into detail here. But, you know, hey, what what can you do? You're 10 years old. This is what you do. You you didn't have time to, you know, you just weren't, I don't know. It's a different world, man, different world. We used to get on our bikes and ride blocks and and go out. We would leave, you know, in the morning sometime and not come home until it got dark. Nobody ever worried about where we were, what we were doing. They probably should have been sometimes. But uh <clears throat> you know, it's a different day, right? Now you'd send your kids out on the bike like thirty minutes, you better be back at this house, boy. <clears throat> you better call me every ten minutes, too. You know. But what what this little you play with these little magnifying glasses and stuff like this to on these little poor, unsuspecting creatures. All right. And and it what it did is it created focused con you know focused contact it was you would take this in it would it would create focused contact and it's like taking a um, and, and bringing this folk and this is what worship does what worship does is it brings focused contact in on um, on the sun right in, in worship and it, so the, you 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 magnify the lord and the sun comes in right and, the, and just grabs that magnif Magnification that you're doing in worship and just zaps your problem. Just but that's really what it does. It, it, it magnifies the Lord, magnify His name. It, it's focused contact on Him. When we begin to worship Him and give Him a place of focused invitation in a circumstance, then what happens is, is God will, God comes in and begins to reverse the circumstance or reverse the situation. And 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 the truth be known is that that in in every situation that we're in, in every problem that we face in our life, that that God will either, listen, God can either change the circumstance or change your perspective, right? Because sometimes it's not the circumstances that God wants to change. Sometimes it's your perspective that he wants to change. And, And again, the only way that that can happen is through worship, all right? Through worship and praying in the Spirit, because if you just go and you just pray, you're going to pray that God would eliminate the circumstance. And maybe God says, I don't really want to el- eliminate the circumstance because I want you to persevere. And I want to change your perspective. And I want you to see something differently than the way that you've always saw it before in your entire life. Right? And if you're always asking God to change every circumstance in your life, then maybe you're missing out on what it is that God wants you to have so that you can be complete and mature in everything that you do. You've got to understand that, that, that that's why worship is important. Um, one, because we always need to change our perspective. Even if God changes our circumstances, a change of perspective helps, right? Even if that perspective is, you know, I just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't see how I'm going to get out of this. I don't see how this is ever going to change. I don't see how this is ever going to get better. That's the perspective that God needs to change where he, he places. Look, I'm just telling you, every time in my life where I've been like that, every time, every moment of my life where I've been like that, I, I get into worship, and God doesn't always change the circumstances immediately. What he does is he changes my perspective, all right? And so he breathes life, and he breathes hope, and he brings, um, you know, all of this back inside of me again that maybe was lost. And, and that's how important, um, you know, God's presence is. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, it says, And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of a trumpet. That it happened as the that as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. That Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. All right, uh, uh, you see, David longed for the presence of God. David, long, he 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 craved the presence of God in his life. It's the reason why. He had a, a passion. One of his first things that he did uh, when he became king was, I'm going to go get the ark of the Lord, and I'm going to bring it back to Israel because he wanted God's presence. And in the Old Testament, the word for presence literally meant face, like the face of God, all Right? It, it wasn't just, you know, it was arbitrary sense or like, you know, whatever. It wasn't some weird presence, all right? It was that... His face, you know, in, in, um, if you go look up, I used to, we used to do this in Master's Commission, we used to have these services called Corum Deos. Uh, and Corum Deo is a Latin phrase that means face to face. And and the whole origin behind this was the conversation about where Moses, uh, when, when he was leading the Israelites through the wilderness, he would go into the tent of meeting and the Bible says that he would have Corum Deo with God, in other words, that he would meet face to face with the presence of God, he would meet face to face with god 's presence um, and, and this is where we see here these these men of old they had a passion for god 's presence, a face to face presence so here 's david he 's dancing wildly before the Lord Michael, his, his wife, um, was the only one who didn 't show up for this great monumental event. Uh, ushering in the presence of God. And the Bible says that she despised him in his heart. Uh, in a, right, So David is dancing before the Lord right? uh, in his linen ephod, which most people interpret to be like undergarments. But like just so you know, undergarments back then is different than undergarments today. It's like he's running around in whitey-tidies. Okay? He's got just, it's like a, a white under robe. You know, they all like wear robes, I guess. And this is just kind of like a undershirt type thing. Really long undershirt. Um, and the Bible says that he is dancing before the Lord. Um, and, um, and just going crazy because of God's presence. And Michael, his wife, looks at him dancing before the Lord. And she despises him. You see, religious, religious and political spirits always want worship to be measured and controlled. Religious and political spirits always want worship to be measured and controlled. It's the reason why you can walk into some churches and if you raise your hand, people will look at you funny. You know, you start dancing, somebody's gonna think funny, or maybe somebody tell you to calm down or something like this, right? religious spirits, a religious spirit, religion itself, they want worship to be measured. They want it to be something that's controlled. They want it to be something that's dignified, right? And that's not anything that we see throughout Scripture. We don't see anything about being dignified or any of those kinds of things, right? And this was David honoring the Lord. A religious mindset resists, rejects, and, and despises extravagant displays of worship. A religious mindset, okay, resists, rejects, and despises extravagant displays of worship, right? And this is what David was doing. And he ended up having a conversation with her. And she said, you know, that, you know, when she talked to him about how undignified he was, he says, Look, he says, if you think this was undignified, I will become even more undignified than this. Don't try to hold me back in my worship for the Lord. And there's nothing in your life that should hold you back from worship of the Lord. Nothing in your life that should hold you back. And in in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Let him then, um, through, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Listen, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What is a sacrifice? What is... What does it mean to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God? It means this. It means one step beyond what is convenient. One step beyond what is convenient. That's what it means. When we come to worship the Lord, we will take it one step beyond what is convenient. You know, this morning... I didn't even want to sing. Matter of fact, when I started singing, I sounded like a dying mule, <clears throat> as you can imagine, just by listening to me talk, all right, put that to, you know, vocals, right, you continuously keep that out and go up and down with the, all right, I didn't really want to sing. About halfway through words, I was like, man, I'm just going to stop singing. And I thought, you know what, it ain't about me, it ain't about how I feel, it's not about how I feel like I sound, it's not about any of those kinds of things, all right, right? It's not about me. It's not about whether or not I feel goosebumps, whether or not I feel good this morning, whether or not I feel bad. This worship ain't about me, anyways. So who cares how I feel? Who cares how I sound? All right. Who knows if I'm making all these people up on stage sing off key half the time because I'm the closest one to them, and I'm probably slinging and singing as loud as I can. Now, right, Rob? I know that. I know that he tells me he can hear me. <laughs> I'm not sure what I can do about that. I don't really want to sit in the back. I'm going to sit up here in the front and, and worship the Lord. And it's that thing too. So even this morning, you know what, I had, to, I had to take it a step beyond what was convenient for me. Because it wasn't about me. And it didn't even really matter what I was going to get out of it. Because it's not really about what I get out of it. It's about what I give to him. It's about the honor and the worship and the love that He deserves. And and so we have to take it beyond that. And if that means that you need to dance a little bit, then maybe you need to dance a little bit. Even if all that is you jumping up and down like you're on a pogo stick, it don't really matter, okay? If, if it means lifting your hands in worship, because you're just not used to lifting your hands in worship, maybe you need to lift your hands in worship, whatever it is. Maybe you need to sing a little bit louder. Maybe you need to sing a little bit more. Maybe you need to memorize the words of the song so you're not having to read them off the screen. And when they're not keeping up with the song, you can't remember what to sing anymore. <clears throat> In Psalms chapter 71, verse 23, it says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My lips. Oh, shout for joy when I sing praises to you. When the Israelites walked around Jericho seven times, when did did they receive breakthrough? When they walked around the walls seven times? Or when they shouted? Now, was it important for them to walk around the wall seven times? Absolutely, because it's called obedience, right? So one of, the, one of the steps for breakthrough in your life is you can't receive breakthrough in your life in any area of your life where you're not walking in obedience. Okay? So if you're not walking in obedience, all right, so if you're not walking in obedience uh, relationally, you're not going to receive breakthrough relationally. If you're not walking in obedience at your job, Okay, then you're not going to receive a breakthrough at your job. If you're not walking in obedience in the way that you raise your children, you're not going to receive breakthrough. Right? If you're not walking in obedience with your finances, you're not going to receive breakthrough in your finances. Right? So any area of your life where you're not walking in obedience, you're not going to receive breakthrough. However, They walked in obedience to what God had told them to do in the moment. And, okay, it wasn't the walking around the Jericho, you know, once a day for seven days and the seven times on the seventh day, all right? It was when they stopped and they shouted, okay, is when the breakthrough came, all right? And so that shouting, that shouting of praise from the lips of God's people, they had walked in obedience. Listen, What happens is if seven days of your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you walk in obedience to God and you come in here on Sunday and you walk in obedience and you begin to worship the Lord and you begin to shout to the Lord. what, What if the walls start coming down on Sunday? on that seventh day when you come in and you walk and you're here and you're worshiping God and you're shouting before the Lord and you're singing his praises, and all of a sudden because of the obedience that you had all week long to do what God told you to do, put you in position to be where you needed to be on Sunday morning to shout the praises of God so those walls could start falling down. Hmm. I was good, by the way. just want you to know that you should have been taking notes. You should have been writing that down. Want, that wasn't even in my notes. Even in my notes. <clears throat> you know, I think one of the things that's interesting here is that um, um, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 23, it says, and Rob, if you'll come, um, it says, Michael, Michael, um, or Michal, and how you pronounce that? David's wife who despised him because of his worship. The daughter of Saul, it says, in verse twenty-three. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And this happened, all right, because of the, of that moment. Actually, the Bible says that it was something that happened to her because of. Uh, of that moment in her life because she despised David's extravagant display of worship. The Bible says that she became barren and and she had no child. Um, It's interesting here in Isaiah chapter 51 or 54 verse 1, it actually speaks to this same type of issue. It says, Shout for joy. Listen, shout for joy O barren one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. Listen, which is almost the exact opposite of what Michael did. Michael despised shouting and joyful dancing. All right. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. All right. So despising, extravagant worship led to barrenness. And here in Isaiah, we see the word telling the barren ones to shout for joy. And the shouting for joy created such a breakthrough in their life that the barren ones had more children than those who weren't barren in the beginning of their life. That 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 shouting for joy, that worshiping, that extravagant display of worship in, in their life actually made them... Uh, 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 more reproductive, right? Than even those who weren't barren in the beginning, because of that that worship, that that, that breakthrough in worship. Worship has got to be, it's got to be something. It's got to be something that is important to us. It's got to be something that is a priority to us. It's got to be something that is a priority to you. Like, we don't, listen, if we're we're a church that can't worship well, all right? then I would say we're a church that won't experience the presence of God well. just won't, we won't ever experience the presence of God well if we can't worship well. Alright? And as it relates to, you know, our breakthrough in our life and the breakthrough that we we want, man, it it plays such a significant, significant role. I, it's, and so, you know, over the past couple weeks we've been talking about, you know, breakthrough and how breakthrough works. It, It certainly isn't like most important in the beginning, to you know, it's or you know, it's like this is the order that it needs to be. There's there's really no order. Um, if you know, I, I certainly believe that the way that you think about your circumstances um, really affects your ability to to receive breakthrough in your life. But but I will say this about worship: worship, um, worship has the ability to change the way you think. So while I wouldn't say that maybe one is more important than the other, but I know worship has the ability to affect your thinking. It has the ability to bring effective change in your mind, all right? And and it has the ability to help you change your perspective and your perception of of what it is that you're dealing with, right? You know, there were times in David, when David was, as king, leading the Israelites, there were times where, God said, hey, I'm going to take you into battle, and you're going to receive victory, but I want you to take the tribe of Judah, and I want you to put them out in front. And you know what the tribe of Judah was, right? They were, the, they were the praise and worship. They were the praise and worship leaders, all right? And so what they did, which nobody, nobody in their right mind would ever do this, right? You're going into battle against savages, against people that want to kill you. And so what are you going to do? You're going to put, because the front line are the people that always go down first, right? People on the front line, right? They took all the worshipers and put them on the front line. And as they were marching in the battle, the worshipers would sing praises to God, and they would worship God, and they were worshiping all the warriors in the battle. The people who were fighting were back in the back, you know, and, and they had the worshipers on the front. It doesn't really make sense. And when they got to the field of battle where they were supposed to face their enemy... The entire enemy was dead. You see, they led the way with worship. It's another reason why we do worship at the beginning. It leads the way. It should be the thing that leads the way. It should be the thing that we open up with. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, right? When they were in prison. When did God break them out? Or maybe the question could be so like this. When did they begin to worship God? Was it before they were, received their breakthrough or after they received their breakthrough? Because a lot of times we think that worship should happen when we have something to worship about. Not that there's never something to worship about. But you know the story, right? Paul and Silas, are thrown in prison. They're in this dark dungeon. And understand that prison is not like what we understand today. a Prison, we're talking about a dungeon, basically. A, um, you know, a cave. Um, you know, um, man, it's just not a good place to be. And uh, it probably wasn't great lighting. Maybe they had torches. Or maybe they just had no light at all down there during the night. And, and the Bible says that Paul and Silas are or they're chained, they're shackled. They need a breakthrough. They need need God to do something, otherwise they're they're gonna die, right? They're gonna die. It'll probably be their last night. They need God to do something. The Bible says that they're in the midst. They didn't have a band. They didn't have a pastor leading them. They didn't have a podcast. They didn't have Hillsong or Jesus Culture or Elevation Worship to turn on the CD player. They just had them all by themselves in the midst of their dungeon. The Bible says that they begin to worship the Lord. They begin to worship the Lord. And as they worship the Lord, listen, where two or more, right? There was just two of them. That's all it took. They begin to worship the Lord right there in the midst of their hardship, right there in the midst of their problem. And God brought breakthrough into their lives. And he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you. You stand to your feet this morning.